I'll be reading in Revelation in a minute, but uh, before we do that, I'm just going to read some verses from 2 Corinthians. No, not from 2 Corinthians, it's from Colossians. Just to read these verses from Colossia, from, it just tells us Laodicea had some better days. And when we read about what is current in Revelation, it's worse days. But Paul says in chapter 2, in verse 1, he says, For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea. And as for as many has not seen my face in the flesh. Then in chapter 4, he talks about Epaphras, which was a brother who was fervently labouring there. In verse 12, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always labouring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him record that he hath great zeal for you, or he's earnest for them, and they are and them that are in Laodicea and them in Heropolis. And in verse 16 it says, And when this epistle is read among you, cause that it be read also in the church of the Laodiceans, that ye likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. So now we can turn to Revelation chapter 3. And we're reading from verse 14. Let the Lord speak to us through his word because here we have a, a conversation between the Lord and the Laodicean church. It's what they say and it's what he says about them. And what he says is much more important than what they say. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayst be rich and white raiment that thou mayst be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness doth not appear and anoint thine eyes with eyeslav that thou mayst see as many as I love I rebuke and chasten be zealous therefore and repent behold I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, 
I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Let's just have a word of prayer before we expound on that. Lord Jesus, we thank thee for thy word. We've been looking at the churches of Revelation and we have been challenged by many things of losing first love for thee, of corruption in the church, of deadness in the church, of false doctrine in the church. And we come to this last one and we see the, the gravity of it, Lord, when thou wouldst say thou wouldst spew it out of thy mouth. We know, Lord Jesus, thou didst love the church and gave thyself for her. And as we read these words together, we may be challenged by them in listening to thy voice, Lord Jesus. We have spoken already in prayer about faithfulness. We will see thy faithfulness in the words which thou dost say. And we need that grace. We've mentioned that already as well. We need that grace to continue in the day in which we live. When we look around all around us and we see Christendom and we see that the mass of people that are not true, not faithful, not converted, and know thee not. And we wish to be faithful and true as an assembly to thee. We ask thy blessing on thy word, in thy precious name. Amen. Amen. Now when I was looking at uh, the Revelation, there's a, a lovely YouTube video, which is worth watching, because it gives you the background of each of the seven churches. It's called the Seven Churches of Revelation. And it's by a man called Joe Stotwell. And he takes you through, he's at the exact location of each church, and he takes you through the characteristics of that church and the, the city at the time. So it's worth a watch. And the things he speaks about Laodicea is very, very true what the Lord says with his own words about the Laodicean assembly. It's so remarkable that, you know, it fits perfect with what the Lord says to them. All oh, that is not good. And one of the first things is that we learn from Laodicea is that they had no natural water supply. Their water was bad, yes? It had to be piped through from a great distance to a water tank and then it went into pipes, along pipes, to feed all the, 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 you know, the people there. And it was full of bad minerals and it was tepid water. By the time it got to them, it was tepid and full of these awful minerals. And he shows you on this video, he shows you there's still some of these 
relics you can see of these old water pipes with all the horrible minerals still in them. And their water was so bad that if any foreigner came to their city and drank of the water, it says they immediately spat it out. Yes? <laughs> they said, oh, that is disgusting. And this is exactly what Christ says of the church of Laodicea. I will spew thee out of my mouth. So the water was bad. Now in Colossae, about nine miles away north, they, when we talk, talk, the Lord talks about being hot and cold and lukewarm, and I'd rather have you hot or cold. I don't want you lukewarm. Yeah? They had beautiful water from the snowy mountains, yes? So it was refreshing, cool water. And the Lord said, you know, I would like that if you were cold, to have this, you know, have some lovely refreshment toward me. Then if you go to Hierapolis, which is further down the other way, about six miles, they had hot springs, healing springs, yeah, with minerals in them. And even today, apparently, people still wash their, their eyes in this mineral water because it's therapeutic. Right? And it's nice and hot, it's 35 degrees. So it's hot. So, so the Lord's saying, I'd rather you have this healing, therapeutic water. That would be good, wouldn't it? But what they had was this horrible, tepid water that was spewed out of their mouth. Uh, so that's the first thing we learn. And, and you can see how it fits what the Lord is actually saying to them. Also, it, it was a, a, a banking centre uh, across the whole region a very strong banking centre. It was a wealthy city. Yeah, they were very affluent and very self-sufficient as a city. And it seems to be that the church took that characteristic on as well <laughs> of the, what was around them. So it was a banking centre. Very wealthy. Yeah. But when I, as soon as I read that, I thought, yes, but they are spiritually bankrupt these people, yes, totally bankrupt spiritually. Uh, so it was a massive banking centre, very wealthy. It had a fantastic wool trade with special sheep, which were black, and long-haired black sheep, and they made with them beautiful coats, black coats, and carpets, uh, and they were famous for that as well, and there was a lot of trade in the wool market which made them wealthy. All these things are interesting, aren't they, with the, as you see how we go on with these things. Um, in AD 60, they had an earthquake, and the city was absolutely devastated, and the Romans, who were in charge, they classified it as a disaster area, and the Romans even said to them, look, we will give you necessary funds to rebuild this city. And guess what these people said? No, we don't need you. <laughs> and it reminds of the words here, I, I have need of nothing. We don't need you. We've got plenty of funds ourselves. We will do it ourselves. So they're very self-sufficient and self-satisfied, which is another thing. That aspect is taken on by the church as well. 
And an interesting thing here, which surprised me, they had a medical centre in the Odyssea, and they treated eyes. Yes, and th there was Islav that you could buy, and there was a big trade in Islav, yeah, for people who had bad eyes. They even took cataracts off. Now these days, a cataract operation is very straightforward. Yes, in the NHS. It's very safe and very straightforward, but I don't think I'd like a cataract taken off in them days, but nevertheless they used to do it. <laughs> uh, and they were probably quite successful at doing that. Yes. So the Lord says, buy of me, I slav, because you're blind. Yes, see how it fits. Buy of me, I slav. So these are wonderful things that do match what the Lord is saying to us all. So, let's start reading it, shall we? The first thing we notice, this beautiful verse 14. Unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. What? A beautiful title. This is a title. It's the only time that Amen is said as a title of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Amen. Yes. The faithful and true witness. Now that is important because the Laodicean church is not a faithful and true witness. They're just the opposite. So Christ is taking that place that he is the true and faithful witness. He's the faithful one, isn't he? Mm -hmm. Christ is faithful. He was faithful to the Father in his walk here on earth. Revelation 1 tells us in verse 5 that he is the faithful, Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness. When he comes in Revelation 19, he is the faithful and true when he comes on that white horse. He is faithful. Glorious, isn't it? He's the Amen. Now when God says Amen, it means it is so, so, so be it. It is so and shall be. So when God says Amen, it says it is so and it shall be. So every purpose and counsel of God, it is so and it shall be in the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. And I'll, I'll read a reference in Corinthians in a minute. When we say Amen, what it means to us is, so be it. Yes. So when we actually say Amen, we're saying to the Lord, so be it. This is our prayers, so be it. But when the Lord says it, it's much more concrete, isn't it? It is so and it shall be. You can't take any of the total security in that it is so and it shall be and this beautiful text in 2 Corinthians where it says for all the promises of God are in him yea and in him amen unto the glory of God by us all the promises of God are amen in the Lord Jesus Christ all his counsels all his purpose it's all in Christ Jesus all the glory is his. It's wonderful, isn't it? Yeah. Every promise. 
Is that in that? Amen. The faithful and true witness. And he says, I know thy works. And that's familiar. We're familiar with that, aren't we? Every church we've looked at, he knows exactly, inside out, who's who, what they're doing, everything. He's omniscient. He knows everything about us all and about this church in the Odyssey. Thou art neither cold nor hot. But he says, I would, would you would rather be cold or hot? So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. How serious is that, isn't it? Now, what we're talking about here, I don't want you to get the impression that this is the professing church. What we mean by the professing church is Christendom in general. Yes, The true church, the body of Christ, is never going to be spewed out of the mouth of Christ. Any true believer will not be spewed out of the mouth of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is people who are professing, who are not really saved. Really, yes. And they're doing all sorts of things they shouldn't be doing. They're not, they're not faithful and true. They're, they're false doctrine and everything else. Everything in, is all in that pot about them. And that's what it means by this. It's at the prophetically, remember, at the end of the days which we're coming to, aren't there? When the true church is gone, there'll still be some apostate church left here. And these will be spewed out of his mouth. And he says, Because thou sayest, I am rich. Remember, they were a very rich city. But they certainly weren't rich in the Lord Jesus Christ. They had nothing of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they could have been rich in him. And increased with goods and have need of nothing. What an awful thing to say, isn't it? Would we ever say that to the Lord personally? That I have need of nothing. I, I'm self-sufficient. Don't need to worry about me. I don't need to pray for me. I'm fine. <laughs> that is appalling, isn't it? We, I'm thinking of the hymn. I need thee every hour. Every hour I need thee. Yeah. Bless me now, my Saviour, I come to thee. Not need of nothing, we have need of him. Yeah. And as they are self-sufficient, there's a lovely book um, in Macintosh, one of his, you know, his big compendium of books. Uh, and it's all about the sufficiency of Christ. For us all, yes. Who Christ is, what he has done. The sufficiency of Christ we have. It's wonderful, isn't it? But they were self-sufficient. But he says, Not need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched. That's miserable. <laughs> yes, wretched. Miserable, poor, and blind, that's the lacking in discernment when they're blind and naked. They need to be clothed with white garments. They're blind. They've got no discernment. It's very interesting scripture. If you look up blindness, uh, at the end of certain things, there was blindness. The last judge, Samson, he was blind. Philistines took out his eyes. The last priest, Eli, was blind before he fell over and broke his neck. 
he was blind. Zedekiah, the last king of Judah, was taken to Babylon and his eyes were taken out. He was blind. It's a following a pattern, isn't it? And you've got the last church here. It's going to be spewed out the mouth of the Lord. It's blind. The Lord is telling us something in that, isn't he? And then he says, I counsel thee. This is the lovely grace of God, isn't it? He's still counselling them. And he says, whom I love, I rebuke and chase him. Yes. And we talked about the love on last Sunday, didn't we? The love of Christ. We've still got this love of Christ. He's not giving up on all of them at this time. He's still there. He's outside. He's outside. He's outside the door. But he's still there, knocking at the door. For anyone who will listen to him and open the door and come in. So he says, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. That's, that's righteousness. Yeah. In conduct. The Lord wants righteousness in conduct. Buy of me gold tried in the fire. And he says, <coughs> And have white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and the shame of thy nakedness not appear. White raiment. White means pure and righteousness. And the white raiment is the righteousness of the saints. We shall walk in white with thee, Lord Jesus. Yes, Righteousness of the saints. That thy shame of thy necks not appear. And anoint thine eyes with eye slave that thou mayest see. And wonderful, isn't it? They needed healing to get their eyes opened and that they may see. And as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. So, Laodicea, no commendation. None. The Lord doesn't give it any commendation. No faithfulness. Not walking in the truth, as they should be. They need to repent. They need to take on board all that the Lord is saying and they need to repent. So it's another church that's called for repentance. Be earnest, therefore, and repent. And then we've got him standing outside the door. Behold, I stand out the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come to him and sup with him and he with me. So if you open the door to the Lord, you can have communion with the Lord. And we've got that privilege now, haven't we? We can have communion with him in our personal lives, collectively. And the Lord Jesus Christ should be in our life, in every department of our life, in our homes, in our workplace, in our assembly. He's with us in all those places. We shouldn't be any different in the workplace from what we are in the assembly. <laughs> we shouldn't be any different at home than what we are in the assembly. It should be consistent. Now I'm going to read you a 
a text here from Hamilton Smith because he puts it in such a lovely way more than I can put it where he talks about Christ outside the door and he's a lovely writer Hamilton Smith if you ever get some of his books he's pretty cool <laughs> and he says this such is the last stage of church history on earth that which was set to bear witness for Christ on earth becomes a witness to its own wretchedness and shuts Christ outside its door. In the condition of Laodicea, do we not see a full result of the first departure in Ephesus? So he takes you right back to the first decline was lack of love for the Lord Jesus Christ. The beginning of all departure when leaving first love to Christ, the end, total indifference to Christ in a church that is well content to have Christ outside its door. The last stage of Christendom, that with calm indifference shuts the door on Christ, seems almost worse in its callousness than the last stage of Judaism in its hostility that nailed Christ to the cross. Remember that the Jews failed as well, Israel failed in testimony, as well as the church. Even as Christ lingered over corrupt Judaism with tears, so he waits outside the door of Christendom with infinite patience. If perhaps chance there is anyone in the Christian profession that will open the door to him. For the mass there is no hope. It is about to be spewed out of his mouth. But until the solemn act of final rejection comes to pass, there is this loving invitation held out to the individuals who will listen to the voice of Christ. If there is one whose conscience has been reached by the Lord's exposure of Christendom, who has been aroused by his warnings, who has listened to his counsel, has been touched by his love, let that one but open the door, and even at his last stage, Christ will come in, sup with him, and he shall sup with Christ. The Lord does not speak of any recovery of public witness to himself, but of secret communion with himself. So, the final judgment on Laodicea on this church has not come yet, there's a, an expression in the Bible, isn't it, in the Old Testament? The sins of the Amorites is not yet full. Yes? But when it came full, that's when they were totally destroyed. So the Lord is saying here, judgment is definitely coming. But not yet. I'm standing outside this door. And I'm pleading with you to counsel me to repent. And I will come in and sup with you. So the promise to the overcomer, yes? Yeah. Now the overcomers are the faithful and the true ones. And we do want to be faithful and true to Christ, don't we? We don't want to depart from his word. We don't want to tolerate any sol um, false doctrine. We don't want to be a dead church. We want to be true to him. And to bear a testimony. That's what we're here for. The yeah. church is to bear testimony to the glory of Christ. The Odyssey is not doing that at the moment. No testimony. So he's the faithful witness and testimony. And he that overcometh, there is always a promise to the overcomer. And the overcomers individually as well. And the promise here, he says, I will... Grant you to sit with me in my throne, 
even as I also have overcame and sat down with my Father and his throne. So we're going to be in the glory with the Lord Jesus Christ uh, when he comes in his glory, Revelation 19 again, when he comes in his glory, we're going to share in that glory, we're going to be with him in that glory, in that millennial kingdom. We're going to see him as the King of kings and Lord of lords on that throne and we shall reign with him and we'll have rewards on that thing. So a wonderful promise to the overcomer at the end, isn't it? So the whole of the seven churches revelation is always encouraging us for the overcomer. There's always encouragement there for the overcomer. Uh, and we've come to the end. So we're nearing the end of the church dispensation. The Lord is coming. In Philadelphia, this was emphasised, wasn't it? The coming of the Lord. That's our hope. The coming of the Lord. To keep us going, to sustain us, the grace to sustain us. The Lord is coming. There's no mention of his coming in Laodicea. None. Because <coughs> it won't be ruptured. Spewed out of his mouth. Let's close the prayer. Amen. Father, we gave thanks earlier how blessed we are to be found in thee in our Lord Jesus Christ. 